Chapter 96 Ranked Queen We swore our oaths of benefice on the beach, the sun beginning to set as words were spoken. It was a most auspicious sign for me as a child of Belarus. That moment when the sun gave way to night, and when night gave way to the sun were more than symbolic. Those moments were when the power of Belarus was most ascendant. I took it as a blessing that we swore oaths at that opportune moment, even if our actions were not by design but happenstance. The moment was still fortuitous, as events and changes increased rapidly once Leotonis and I exchanged benefice oaths. Your Majesty, Leotonis asked once I had freed Lord Hugo. I would have allowed him to stay, but his pride was wounded, and once freed of chains he escaped the Sithern, diving into the ocean as quickly as possible. What can I do to help? At the moment, I need people more than anything else, I answered. Do you have any that might be interested in serving as guards? The position can be temporary if they aren't interested in remaining in sore long term. I'd prefer people that had some experience in patrolling, but as long as they have been trained, the Sithern can help with policing and control. One moment, she said, as she activated her MAI. Those devices really were a technological marvel. Able to withstand the intense fires and extreme cold of my domain, as well as the immense pressures that could be found deep beneath the ocean waters. Her casual use of the device meant that she had her own communication matrix, beneath the waves that allowed for connectivity. Or, she and her people had noticed the leyline matrix relay that system had deployed when I established my kingdom. Either one only served to increase my understanding and respect for the woman. Lord Garion, the code word is Orca, Bottlenose, Stingray, I overheard her say. A possible code that signaled to her people that she was safe, not under duress or to stand down. I thought it worth borrowing for my forces, when I had established both a regular guard detail and a military chain of command. I will be broadcasting a system message, informing our people that I have joined King Tay. Right now I need you to assign two regiments. I need one of them that have had some experience in guard duty, a duty that includes knowledge of land-based protocols, the second will be stationed to guard the newly created harbour and dock that abuts our waters and the newly built capital. I didn't hear Garion's response or his questions, because the Sithern nudged my awareness towards the hill pass where people were entering. People that could only be part of my house or tied by oaths to my house. Motioning to Leotonis where I was heading, I went to meet the group that was loitering at the border between Sithern and Talum. My people's arrival allowed me to begin the process of organizing. I had Rill and Gil each assigned to fortify and manage traffic at those points of entrance. The Sithern constructed guard stations and registration halls at each point. I wanted to know who entered my city and why. 
requiring them to register as they entered, would help with that. Brianna and Basil assigned a staff of clerks, teams of ten people, that could monitor and process those that would enter the city. They were forced to conscript people that had no training. People that had were considered menial staff. If they could write, they were assigned. I wanted as detailed a consensus list as possible for those that desired to establish residence in SOAR. Rank, level, profession, and what type of business they may be establishing. I didn't care if an individual had been aligned with Seely or Unseely, as long as they shared their faction screen to show that they were now a member of Tuatha de Danann. They could enter the capital. The Volar Fey made their worth known at this point, able to flit around obsequious and almost invisible without the aid of glamour. They could poke through skimmers, sleds, and belongings that people were using to transport possessions. It might not have been ethical, but I wanted to understand what kind of items were being imported. The Sithern could have tracked that information, but by assigning the Volar Fey, I freed up the Sithern to focus on the guards and how they responded to events when needed. After I'd gotten my people organized, I looked around the outside area. I decided to place the city portal near the entrance to the valley, since it couldn't be placed inside, and was looking for a place that was open but could be defended. The ground slope was so gradual that there shouldn't be a problem if and when people decided to build up around the Sithern's entrance. I imagined a legion of warehouses built to store goods that would become part of a distribution hub. There would be no need to build homes or apartments. The Sithern could expand if more living quarters were required, so I would zone this area for warehouse purposes only. It took a half hour at most once the portal was placed and opened before people began streaming through. A steady stream of sea, most I thought encouraged and desperate to take advantage of the buff for fertility. I instructed Basil to put any of those that had begun arriving, those with skills that would be useful, to work. Either send them to Gil and Rill to be assigned to guard duty, or fold them into his own staff and increase the number of people registering new arrivals. The harbor, by comparison, stayed relatively quiet. Shipping wasn't a major enterprise for this area yet. That would change when the level 8 dungeon that was located on an isolated island in the middle of the sea was open for leveling and harvesting. Leotonis had agreed to supply the labor to build a dungeon city once the exact location had been discovered. I would foot the cost of a portal once she was ready to allow ease of access for those interested in delving. And the production professions that could utilize whatever was harvested. I changed the Sithern settings to allow any member of the Tuatha de Danann faction entrance once I was satisfied that I was as prepared as I could be. At least, until I had more people to draw on for help. The system announcement that the city was open generated a quest for the entire population of Angel Gyaura. No matter their current faction, they would have to join the Tuatha de Danann. But the quest rewards were tempting. Regional quest. Help Angel Gyaura prosper. A new kingdom needs the support of its citizens. 
Offer that support and help the kingdom prosper. Rewards. Ten Scythian seeds to place and build a kingdom city. Note. Must enter O's of benefice. Fiefs, domains and provinces. Note. Must enter O's of vassalage. Business contracts, distribution contracts, bureaucratic and court positions, military and guard positions available. Note. Service awarded double experience, double fertility rates, and higher loot drops in dungeon delves. The Salah were the first to test my sincerity. The regional announcement had been made after full night fell, and the Salah had always taken advantage of the Cloak of Darkness. A ranked queen Salah and her escort of night flyers buzzed the valley before approaching the guard station, testing the limits of the Scythern barrier. Her ability to hide in plain sight, cloaked in the darkness, made the sudden appearance of a 30-foot flying tentacled stingray, a monster that was more teeth than flesh, unsettling. Surprisingly, it was the Volar Fae that were the most unaffected. They were magic made manifest, and were able to see all the permutations and uses the sea made of that resource. They knew the Slaw were there before the queen revealed herself, and made that knowledge obvious when they began buzzing and circling the other two night flyers that remained hidden, those tasked as her personal guards. Carrot had mentioned that the lesser fae had queens, kings, and courts, but he had only been speaking of the Seely faction. To find out that the unseely lesser fae were also highly ranked made sense. The Marigu seemed to mirror policies the Seely instituted but her appearance seemed to knock Carrot off kilter. He found it almost impossible that the Unseelie would allow the Slaw to harbor a ranked queen. His disbelief could be directly attributed to factional bias and bigotry. The Seelie considered the Slaw monsters, vanguards of the Unseelie army. They were responsible for war atrocities and horrors. They were creatures of nightmare that struck from concealment, tentacles and barbs decimating entire phalanxes of Seelie soldiers. Carrot had thought them barely intelligent beasts, controlled and directed by the Unseelie ranked, more pets than people. Controlled by their baser instincts, animalistic and feral, that they had intellect, voice, and used strategy and methodology in their duties, conflicted with his belief that they were relentless and mindless in their pursuit of prey. It was this animalistic behavior that made them the most talented hunters on the planet. Aside from the wild hunt, no other sea enjoyed such a fierce reputation. They could not be summoned by anyone who had been wronged but once on the trail of an enemy, they could not be bargained with or turned from their purpose. They were nigh unto indestructible, their regeneration abilities almost godlike in effect. To kill a slaw, you had to almost atomize them. And if you were successful, you had better hope there were no witnesses to carry tales, for the slaw held grudges. Vengeance and retribution for slaying one of their own was the stuff of legend. Bloody terror that conditioned the sea to respond with bone-chilling fear 
when encountering the beast. And for all their horror, they were still beautiful. See, even monstrous see, could be nothing else. They did not represent the beauty of form and perfection that the Seelie and Unseelie venerated. They represented the beauty and horror that only an alpha predator could display. They attacked with subtlety and skill that was a work of art, perfecting the macabre flight of death. This ranked queen, this unseely monstrous caricature, had risked much to approach Sor. She was testing the truth of my intent. She would know if the Tuatha de Danann meant that all were welcome. And what treatment those considered lesser, the fodder, sacrificed to the vagaries of battle and war, would receive in this new faction. Finally, she would test if true equality between those considered seely and unseely would be possible, if the flowery words and quest notifications might be the light of change that all those that had become nothing more than slaves to the self-professed superiority of seely and unseely could be true. And so, I offered and accepted oaths. I joined in benefice with the Queen of Sloth, and installed her as a house and member of my court. I seeded her areas of brackish water and swamp, areas that were suitable for her and her subject, the stagnant waters allowing her to release swarms of larvae that would be tempered and tested from birth. Only those strong enough, ruthless enough, to survive this tempering would earn entrance to ascension chambers and ranks and demonstrated to the world that when system proclaimed all were welcome, that proclamation held true.